Welcome to episode 11 of Vague Zone. I am one of your co-hosts, Thomas, and with me always is... Daniel. And this week we're talking about, I guess, the last conversation of our Purge little roundup and franchise run. We're talking about The Binge, which is a parody movie that came out this year. And Daniel, would you like to tell us the uh, synopsis of The Binge? Yeah, so from IMDb... It's uh, set in a time where all drugs and alcohol are illegal. The only day anyone can participate in the, quote, fun is on binge day. <laughs> and so what did you think about the binge? <laughs> uh, maybe it's good that I'm going first because so like when I was watching this, I got, about, I got about 20 minutes in and I texted you to be like, hey, have you already watched it? Because I was yeah. not having a good time. <laughs> um, and I felt like I had to get it off my chest that I was having a very bad time with this movie. Um, you said you ultimately enjoyed it, so I'm curious to know your thoughts. But um, yeah, I, I enjoyed I it. it I, yeah. but I don't blame you for not enjoying <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, and I, I don't totally want to like, I don't want to piss on your parade. So like, maybe oh, it's better all, that I maybe it's better that I get out my complaints first, so I don't look like a giant asshole. Um, I, but, I also consider myself very much an optimist when it comes to movies like this, where I'm like, okay, I see what you're going for. I see what the intention is. I like to think about what the better version of this movie could be. And so I was like, there's a lot of good ingredients and things in this movie that I think are good and I like. And, you know, I'm a massive Superbad fan. Superbad is a really close movie to my heart. And I feel like this is a, a Purge movie with a Superbad skin on it that just, like, cribs a lot from that plot and a lot of just like things from just the, of the typical modern sex comedy and it's it's super dumb but i was like all right a little marijuana is going to help this because this is just a silly saturday <laughs> movie it's like yeah it's like an episode of family guy it's just dumb jokes it's super crude it's it's silly it has nothing to do with the setup really of like the 12 hours it's just like a sex comedy <laughs> like that's yeah all is. this is way more super bad than it or, is sorry, the purge i keep saying sex comedy it's more of a drug comedy there's some sex jokes but this is more of like yeah like uh, it's a, a drug comedy that doesn't really get how drugs actually work so it's just kind of just like yeah characters going which is crazy also a problem for me <laughs> like okay i'm happy, so I'm, happy you ha I, I think, I'm very happy you had that thought <laughs> i think what sums up this my distaste for this movie is that this is a movie where a character says the word bazinga as a punchline and it doesn't feel like it's meant to be ironic like yeah no <laughs> yeah <sighs> <laughs> yeah, and there's yeah, there's so much about this movie that's just absolutely ridiculous, and I love that it has like the the main cast is like character like actors who are like almost thirty, and so I'm like you guys don't look that young yeah, at all. Definitely. So you're just like just doing these like jokes, and it's just it's absolutely just like kind of falling flat. But like, yeah, there's <laughs> the main guy Skyler. I even so Emily watched the beginning with me. She left the room at a certain point. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I was like, this guy looks like he's simultaneous. Sometimes he looks too young, and sometimes he looks too old. Like, and I, I was like, he looks like he's about twenty-four. And then I looked it up, and he's twenty-four. Um, yeah, yeah. And he's playing and like a seventeen-year-old or something like that. It's a trip because he's having a really good year as far as like, or at least a good like kind of run because he was in the Social Dilemma, which is a documentary that's getting a lot of mm -hmm. like buzz on like online because people just are like on their phones a ton this year so like oh this is a documentary that kind of critiques social media and just like says hey uh, like what's it called um delete all your profiles and delete your facebook that's kind of like the the thesis of the movie and so okay. he there's a a narrative side spoilers for that sorry there's a narrative side to that documentary and he plays a high schooler in that movie i'm like god this kid again like i was like yo this yeah. dude's like 27 and then he's also in the righteous gemstones as well. like, yo, he's popping up everywhere and i was appreciate he, him was he an american vandal or no i don't think okay. he was an american vandal but um he was one of the guys in this movie yeah summer, so. um yeah, he wasn't a... was he in what out american summer the tv show mm, I didn't, oh he was uh, yes he was yes okay. yeah yeah so that's just i'm familiar with him playing a teen elsewhere on netflix so yeah for sure but i think yeah this is kind of like the cutoff of like that i was like okay this is not convincing at all but this entire setup is just absolutely ridiculous and so yeah i <laughs> i think we should give a little more detail before we kind of like break it down a little bit more um okay so yeah i mean this the setup intrigued me this which is basically 
yeah, drugs are illegal except for one day a year. So it's the purge. Um, yeah, and they and, and I, they frame it like their the absence of drugs has led to a thriving society. Like it, like there's this kind of Morgan Freeman esque narration that starts off and it's like yeah like the, without drugs in this sober society everything is fantastic i'm not even doing an impression of it i'm just like yeah like it's just, it's just a <laughs> i would a hope you up. weren't <laughs> yeah no uh, um, I, get the, I get the comparison sometimes i was like i'm not gonna try it yeah but there's like a fake kind of morgan freeman type of like setup where he's like yeah in this sober society everything is much better except for one day where everyone can kind of go crazy and so in this we get the footage of people shot gunning bongs or like you know like just doing crazy drunk things yeah and i feel like this is the closest we get for the entire movie of a purge parody which is like this opening montage instead of an opening montage of violence we get an opening montage of just drunken lunatics yeah like spring break footage and shit yeah but then after that it's just it's just super bad pretty much like it's just two guys trying to it's just some guys trying to get to a party for the rest of the movie yeah i was watching this i was like okay like once it starts like well sorry even before it starts there is a good 20 minutes of backstory and kind of lead up and all this stuff that happens before the binge happens you know there's a vince vaughn's character as the principal at the high school and he's telling all the seniors he's like hey if you go out there you're gonna end up like these like like this burn victim over here or like, it's really bad like he's like using this one girl who got like really screwed like messed up yeah in a, she's covered in bandages a, yeah in a jet ski accident he's like you don't want to end up like her like with bandages and covering your face and everything like he's giving like this drug like dare speech to these kids he's like yeah. don't go out on the binge and he has all this all these and he's really shows. he's really aggressive about his descriptions of how hideous she is and stuff like that and yeah and that's the thing is like I like Vince Vaughn a lot, and I think he is really good in comedy, and I think he's really good using dialogue in comedy. And I was like, if this movie was just a little bit more drawn back, I think it would have been great. If it was, if these scenes were a little bit smaller, because he's really a dark character, and I like that a ton. He has like some layers to him. You know, he's not just like unhinged for no reason. He has like some things going about him. Well, yeah, there's a reveal later in the movie that kind of. Um helps explain maybe a little bit why he is as extreme as he is um yeah yeah and i like i just i'm I'm sorry i like vince vaughn i'm kind of a sucker yeah. for just for for him and so i was like okay that's good casting i like him as this crazy fucked up principal but at, yeah this like a lot of kind of setup about the binge but then it kind of starts but then there isn't much ceremony or much once that happens it's like these kids are kind of just running around trying to get wristbands and stuff and so i'm just like what is going on? It just felt really stupid and silly. <laughs> um, yeah, to me, it's like, so this movie reminded me of something Something I've been thinking about is the idea of forced comedy, quote unquote, forced comedy, which is mm-hmm. like people talk about this as a complaint for Marvel movies and like Star Wars movies and stuff where it's like, oh, I didn't like it. It had too much forced comedy. And it's like, OK, well, what does forced comedy mean? Um like quips or like when is comedy not forced basically and so i think comedy needs to and i'm doing the thing you're not supposed to do which is analyze comedy because it makes it unfunny but um it's it needs to be motivated the same way like any story decision needs to be motivated in a movie like and it can be motivated by character and our understanding of that character it can be motivated by the premise or it can be motivated by like more specific situations, like uh, uh, not necessarily premise, but like the situation of the scene. So that's when you get stuff like gags. Um, Correct. Yeah, it's the it's kind of like I like to use a really crude example, but like the difference between like the Family Guy. Oh, this is like this. It's just kind of like a cutaway, just just mentioning something random and just like bringing something else that has nothing to do with the current yeah, situation. Yeah, and it's that's like, like what that whole show is. Yeah. Yeah, it's like cop out comedy, and they get a lot of criticism for that. And so I wrote that down while watching this movie. I was like, yeah, there's nothing super binge related or purge related, but it's it feels like super bad. Where it just feels like it just took that movie and kind of just applied it to this kind of flimsy setup. So there is like, so there's a joke early on, which I feel like kind of uh, illustrates what I'm talking about of motivated by premise, which is, okay, the premise is that drugs are illegal all year except for one day. So 
uh, there's this idea in improv. So in improv, there's yes and, but there's also this idea of like if then, which is like if X is true, then what else is true? So if it's true that no one does drugs all year, then we can probably assume no one really understands how to do drugs. And so there is a joke yes. in this movie where, like, the kids are talking about, like, all these myths and urban legends about, like, oh, if you take acid and you eat this thing, you could see the future. But it's not your future. It's somebody else's future. And, yeah, like, yeah. And that that's classroom like a, scene is great, yeah. Yeah, and it's, like, a decent joke because it is motivated by the premise. Um, there's, I feel like there's got to, I don't know. There's some stuff in here where it's, like, it doesn't... So, okay, the introduction of Andrew, for example. Uh, not necessarily the introduction, but, like, when they go to his house, because they're trying to yeah. get wristbands. He has this screaming match with his mom, and it is so over-the-top and so extreme that, you know, I, I, it did make me laugh, but at the same time, it felt like, okay, is, is this good? <laughs> like, sometimes it reminds me of when a stand-up comedian is just yelling. And there's yeah. so much fucking yelling in this movie. And whenever yeah. a stand-up comedian's yelling, it just feels like they're shouting, please laugh at me. Like, yeah, it's so it true. Yeah, it doesn't feel like there's confidence in the jokes. And this movie feels like it's overcompensating for a lack of confidence by having... They're, they're, okay, there's a scene where... Um... Wait, before, wait, before you go on, I'm, <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm happy you brought up that scene because one of the things that I thought about, I was like, okay they're at this person's house and then like, he's kind of weird. Like he has this like weird relationship with his mom. They're kind of yelling at each other in my mind. I'm like, okay, is this going to end with them kind of like drinking as like, okay, you guys got to like have some shots of tequila or something like with my crazy mom to kind of like, this is what we do on the binge over here. Cause it's set up that, um, the other two friends, like every year they have never participated. They've always just yeah. have done like the super, like super silly root beer night with their parents. And they just kind of like play board games all night. But now like the, the, basically the Seth character or like, yeah, the Jonah Hill's like, no, we want to get laid tonight. We want to get, we want to purge or whatever. We need to go, <laughs> we need to get out there. And so like when they go to Andrew's house, I'm like, okay, cool. Like this will be like the first kind of like dip in the water. But no, they were just like yelling at each other. And I was like, okay, yeah, this there's... isn't like, this not, this isn't that good. And then even the meeting with the brother like they're that's like, yeah that's what i wanted to talk about next there's a sense of like oh like are they gonna like kind of get fucked up or like have to do this thing and it, like we kind of get that but it's just it's not very realistic and it's just like okay you could have gone serious with it and like i had him do some like do some shots do some lines smoke some blunts and like actually get kind of crossfaded and that is just as good as a cell as, as opposed to you know, this dart shit that we get. Yeah. And so, like, going back to how much yelling happens in this movie, <laughs> uh, like, one of the guys gets shot in the neck with a dart, and he's screaming, you shot me in the neck with a dart. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, we know. We're watching the movie. Like, you don't have to yell that. Like, let let us enjoy the jokes as they yeah. occur like you don't have to like remind the, us like the it's, opposite of show don't tell it's like we're gonna show yeah. you and tell you and like it's just like <laughs> yeah. doubling down i'm like and it's gonna yeah, be least, like at the top was, of our lungs yeah i was gonna say it, i feel like it's there's some parts of this like kind of reminiscent to like that brat pack type of comedy from like the early to mid 2000s like the will ferrell and stuff where it's like it gets really outrageous. There's a lot of screaming. That's one thing that I didn't oh, like frat, about. Frat oh, Pack, I think, was what the, they... Sorry, yeah, the Frat Pack. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. It reminds me of that a little bit where, like, there's a lot of good jokes and good improv and good writing within those movies, but there's also a lot of Will Ferrell screaming sometimes. And so, yeah. like, yeah, sometimes I'm like, okay, like, this is just the joke. The volume is the joke. And so, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's kind of like a Step lot Brothers? of my parents love Step Brothers, and I was like, I can't get, I can't get behind this. Like, see, see, yeah, Step Brothers is a weird one for me because I was also like extremely skeptical about it, and then I saw that in a midnight screening, and just being in that theater was just fantastic. Yeah. And so, I think, I think being I, in the environment helped a lot. I think I do have to watch it again and just watch it as like, you know what, I'm just gonna be hanging out with Will Ferrell and John C. Riley and letting them do their thing. See, and... you, know what, you know what came out this weekend was this deep fake. Someone posted on Reddit was <laughs> Step Brothers with Arnold Schwarzenegger and uh, Sylvester Stallone. Oh. So it was Arnold as Will and Sylvester as John C. Riley. It's, it's not perfect, but it's like, it's just so <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> just like to imagine them and just this stupid buddy comedy. Um, where were we? <laughs> 
like the setup of the binge before the actual binge starts, but I, I feel like that isn't much of a part of this movie. It, it all kind of happens at the end at this big party. And so, yeah, I almost feel, yeah. Like I almost feel like this is a movie that we don't have to break down too much. Like basically it's, he's, you know, everyone at school is planning on binging at a specific party. These two boys want to, these two boys, uh, Griffin and hags are trying to get to that party. They enlist the help of this weirdo, Andrew, to see if uh, he can get them wristbands. And they just encounter all sorts of antics along the way to trying to get to this party. Because Griffin wants to, uh, uh, he wants to ask this girl Lena to the prom. <laughs> like, which is such like a quaint thing. Yeah. And I was going to mention, I was going to talk about just kind of the overall plot. Because, yeah, the, the plot of this movie is just so silly. But I was also like, okay, like, being very objective and being, like, being... Taking a step back, I was like, okay, even the setup of Superbad is very small and very, like, simple. It's like, okay, it's just these three dudes, they just, they're outcasts, they want to get laid, and they need alcohol to pass this social kind of contract yeah. to get into this party. That's it. And then everything else is just, like, the crazy shit that happens because of that. And it's, it's, yeah. it's great. And, and, the stakes, like, <laughs> and the stakes are high because that shit is illegal. <laughs> like, yeah, oh, so yeah. much of the shit that's happening. Yeah, and that's why I like I appreciate like the cop characters in that movie so much because yeah, it just it plays on that trope really well. And I was thinking about that while watching this movie. I was like, okay, like yeah, it's all legal, and so there isn't going to be a lot of like consequences for what they're doing. It's just a matter of are they going to be able to accomplish it? But that wasn't even really yeah. at stake. It's all really, really, really small stakes. But then also like yeah, taking a step back, I was like, yeah, this feel it's a movie that is dependent on the purge to kind of make sense, and it's dependent on super bad to kind of be effective and even like uh scarface is like <laughs> reliant like you kind of need to know that or at least appreciate it to like understand the climax of this movie so i was like it it feels just like such like a not another team movie type of like parody movie where it's like it just there's nothing really substantial or original going on here it's just pieces of other things that are just squeezed together and then it still makes a lot of mistakes that, that those movies make and so like it's still like it pushes all the female characters aside and just like yeah. makes them punch lena, it makes them punch lena <laughs> is yeah. not a character in this movie yeah like it just makes all the female characters punch lines and like it has a lot of like really crude sex jokes at their expense sometimes and it's just like okay that's really fucked up like you clearly like super bad a lot but like you kind of just took the worst parts of it and like or just like the most basic skeleton of it and applied it here to this purge thing but you didn't acknowledge any purge stuff or any like interesting way to apply the ticking clock or like you know like the yeah. fact that it's like a time frame that you have to do these things in and i was like yo this could have been like Vince Vaughn with the two boys just like you're gonna do shots with me until the sun comes up I was like I'd much rather watch that yeah than, than like, like I would be like I'm gonna teach you how harmful the binge is by yeah we're yeah. gonna get fucked up together like there's like this movie feels like it doesn't really use its premise in a meaningful way like it ceases to be a purge uh, parody almost immediately, and then it just becomes yeah, yeah. a super bad ripoff. <laughs> yeah, like as soon as like those two little montages are done, it's just almost beat for beat that movie. And then, yeah, by the time it's done, I was like, yeah, like it didn't get as crazy as that, or like yeah, even super bad. I feel like was more crude, <laughs> like you know, like like they had more creative jokes. <laughs> and then it even does the super bad thing where it's like towards like during the climax, it's like we're gonna focus on the value of our friendship. <laughs> Like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I will say that this movie did start working for me a lot better in the Act Three. Um, after I don't know if I just needed a break or something, but like <laughs> we get a musical a scene um, towards the end of the movies, the boys do shrooms. They're forced to do shrooms, and yeah. we get a musical <laughs> number. And so maybe that musical number provided me, it, it like gave me a refresh or something. So I went into Act Three, you know, not not feeling the, uh, I don't know, the negative emotions I was feeling towards the beginning of the movie. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I appreciate that musical uh, that musical number a lot. It because, is pretty catchy. Yeah, um, it's it's catchy. It's yeah. I kept thinking of like yes, it's Seth MacFarlane esque, where it's just like dang, like it's catchy and just vile. Yeah, or almost yeah. like Trey Trey Parker, Matt Stone, where. Yeah, they're just bringing oh, yeah. up all this kind of, these lyrics are just like fucking nuts. And so, yeah, I think but then it's also kind it's of a problem off. because 
like, I don't know. So I didn't really enjoy this movie. I don't. It made me wonder, like, who is this movie for? It feels like maybe it's for younger people. Like, maybe if I was, like, 17 and had tried some drugs, like, I would be excited about this movie a little bit more. But Possibly, then yeah. <laughs> this movie shows these kids doing a bunch of drugs. There's no real consequences. Within, like, between scenes, the effects of those drugs kind of disappears. Like, at one point, um, Griffin does, like, a line of coke or something like that. They smoke PCP-laced marijuana, and yeah. nothing really comes of it. Like, you could easily... It might as well have just been a normal marijuana. Um and yeah, then they and that bothered me as like a person who is really pro marijuana. As a person like, who's okay. done PCP, <laughs> <laughs> as a person, I'm like, yo, like I'm pro weed. I like to have like the positive depictions of it, or at least like something that's not like as dumb as like, yeah, they're gonna smoke this blunt with this stranger, and oh, guess yeah, what do you know? It's this lace of PCP, and then yeah, like it's done in a way that I think is just it's just for the sake of a punchline, but the punchlines are just very brief and. For a movie that's like, yeah, it's about drugs. This isn't a very realistic. It's it's not even trying to be that. So I don't want to blame it for that. I think it's trying to be something much more cartoony and like I don't know, happy go lucky. And so yeah, that's why there's a, a damn musical number towards the end, maybe. But and they eat thirty shroom burritos, which is just like yeah. yeah, it's like it's like this obnoxious thing. It reminds me of very like early drafts of the script I wrote, where I was just like, yeah, like it's gonna be this crazy weed party at the end. And it's just like this is written by someone who doesn't do these things, and like it's yeah. just like pulling shit out of their ass and kind of like yeah, I think there's a realistic amount of comedy within that premise, but yeah, this movie is just and doing like- something. And what value what value are you adding to the story by having them smoke a PCP laced joint if <laughs> if nothing really if it doesn't do anything? Like, yeah, I don't know. This movie bothered me. I did not like it. <laughs> yeah, I was very curious because you mentioned it a few ep- like definitely a few episodes when we were talking about the purge, and I was like, okay, I'm down. It's yeah. I like a, a I'm I'm open-minded and so I wouldn't li- be lying I would be sorry. I would be lying to you if I said I didn't laugh while watching this movie. Oh I'm yeah, sorry. I mean, it, I had it, some laughs. Um I liked the pulp fiction joke where uh Andrew yeah, yeah. falls asleep at the wheel and they find like a syringe of adrenaline or something and they're like, "Oh, we're going to pulp fiction him." And because he's fallen asleep at the wheel, he has no control over the vehicle, so they count it down, and they go to <laughs> stab him in the chest, and they end up stabbing him in the head, like that. Made me laugh. Um, and like like I was saying, like Act 3 worked for me a lot better. Uh, there's there's a, a joke that I think is a solid joke, because it is motivated by our understanding of character, and it is a character moment where we're being shown a character evolving, which is when... So Vince Vaughn, he's the principal. He's Lena's dad. Uh, at the end of the movie, it's revealed that he is... What was his name? El Pantero or something like yeah, that? Yeah, El, El Pantero. <laughs> uh, and so he is a famous binger. He won the gauntlet years ago. Um, and he has a tattoo of a, of a panther on his back. And anyways, uh, he sort of challenges Griffin. He says, like, I will be your teammate and all this stuff. And uh, he has Griffin punch him in the balls to like prove himself and punches <laughs> yeah. him in the balls and then vince vaughn leans in close and he rubs his nose against griffin yeah they do a and little then, eskimo kiss yeah and then griffin's just staring at him and he rubs his nose back <laughs> and i was like that that works for me as a joke <laughs> like it shows first off it's a funny ridiculous thing but it also shows that like griffin has grown as a character that he's willing to take this on in a ridiculous way um yeah i'm doing the thing you're not supposed to do which is break down yeah. jokes and why they work yeah yeah but that, yeah it worked like you people i think if you're writing a movie if you're telling people this is worth laughing at you need to be thinking about these things like why does it no, work? i definitely i definitely agree with you because yeah I, like as i was watching this i was like oh like this isn't gonna be as like a good of movie as i want it to be but i still i was reaching for things in it to like to like appreciate and so yeah i think we kind of hit similar notes about it where we're like yeah this is like there's something a lot more human and smaller here that's happening but what we're getting is just like a lot of really over the top gags it's a lot of noise it's just yeah i don't know too much shit yeah (laughs) um it's like yeah like 
Yeah, whatever. I could keep talking and talking about comedy, but nah, whatever. You got <laughs> to suck it down pipe. <laughs> oh, boy. Here, I'm going to get another beer. Just one second. So have you seen Wet Out American Summer? Yeah, I remember watching it like a long time ago on Comedy Central and just being like, I didn't quite really understand or appreciate <laughs> what was happening because it was, yeah, there's, there's a type of comedy happening there that yeah. you need to have some knowledge of other movies to kind of really appreciate. I mean, so I was just thinking about it and it's like, all right, this whole time I've been arguing in favor of like, comedy needs to be motivated. Like, like we can't have a character delivering a quip if it's out of our understanding of who that character is. It feels like it's coming from a place of dishonesty. Like, needs to feel honest. Meanwhile, I'm a big fan of Wet Hot American Summer, and that's just, like, kind of screwball, wacky shit. And so I'm wondering, like, why does that work for me, but something like this doesn't work? Um, I'm not sure. Maybe because it just... That's kind of its own thing. I mean, like I said, it does have references to other types of... I don't know media or not necessarily media but just kind of vibes of summer and just like knowledge of summer camp and kind of playing on this feeling of like oh yeah like nostalgia and so like it it plays with that a little bit and then just completely goes off the rails yeah and so i i know i I think it's fair because it's just in this kind of pseudo magical world of this summer camp where it's just like just it's crazy it's looney tunes-esque i think there is an element of like you're very aware so so it's that movie totally takes place outside of reality because such like the shit that happens in that movie is so weird that it's it is not grounded at all and so i think there's an element of you understand that the author is making jokes about i don't know how like the base reality could possibly function and so so for example when they talk about going into town you remember that scene right when it's like not oh. really yeah see i have to, i haven't seen it in a, in a but like bit. uh they're like gonna take a break from the camp they're going into town the counselors and then we get a montage of them just like running around like eating french fries and like uh robbing an old lady for her purse and like buying <laughs> drugs from someone and then uh ending up in some sort of like crack house like it just like escalates and escalates until it gets reaches like an absurd point and then it shows them coming back to camp, and they're like, oh, it feels so great great to get away, even if only for an hour. Um, <laughs> and so it's like, maybe there's just like a different type of absurdity there where it, like, the movie knows that you know that this is absurd, so we can be really playful with it. And so I'm trying to figure out, like, why does it work there, but it doesn't work here? Uh, yeah see and i don't know that's good because i was looking at some notes and one thing (laughs) that is a part of the setup uh, not necessarily the setup but the first act of this movie is the characters riding around on this massive bike that like it's like this drinking like bike not a drinking bike but just uh is it wait i don't know Remind me, do you remember, is there drinking involved with the actual function of the bike? To, it, I mean, it presents as a bar, like a pedaled yeah, bar. It's like, I don't know if they yeah. actually are ever serving drinks on it. Yeah, it's like a mobile bar with 10 seats. They all pedal. It's this large, massive contraption with, like, pink frills on it and everything. And it's supposed to be like, yeah, like, we'll get on this with a bunch of people and some girls and it'll be all good. And then, like, yeah, they're trying to ride around. It's just the three of them, and they're struggling to get it. I remember laughing a lot just because of just the simplicity of that but yeah i I think it kind of ties into what you're saying it's like yeah this joke is just like a very like kind of escalated gag of like oh we need to get the girls and pick them up but it's just like this super flintstone-y type of device that they have to do it in and so yeah i appreciate it in this world but i I don't know i I think it depends on your sense of humor and how lenient you are because Yeah. yeah it's it's super subjective and so yeah one person's like super highbrow fantastic joke could be other someone that just like don't get it at all and so i think this movie is just it's just on the lower brow side and then there's even just physical i'm gonna remove my eyebrow comedy of just like oh yeah (laughs) like i'm missing i'm missing an eyebrow i'm like okay like this is like really baseline type of shit fine like you can have them have a fake eyebrow throughout the whole movie like yeah yeah which is just insane but what you're talking about with wet hot american summer it's very odd and yeah 
like the more I think about those type of setups, like I'm also lenient just because I'm more aware of the state and Michael Ian Black and, you know, the way that their humor kind of plays out. And so I think it it kind of just ties back to who the joke is going towards. And so, yeah, I think this is a a movie aimed at younger, younger people who have never done drugs. And so they can't, they can't scrutinize that side of it. Like this is making like sort of ridiculous, like this is making ridiculous jokes where I think with Wet on American Summer, the ridiculous jokes work because they're about how how a narrative and a movie can function like it's like it's almost like it's breaking the fourth wall without addressing the viewer directly um trying to give an example of that oh so like for example um in wet on american summer there's like a scene where a guy's drinking from a glass ball and he throws it and makes a shattering noise like a sound effect and then in the next scene a guy like throws his shovel and it makes the exact same sound effect so it's it's like this meta joke. It's like we know we're watching a movie. We're making a joke about how sound effects work. Um, yeah, so totally, it's not totally. motivated by character. It's not motivated by premise. It's just like it's its own style of comedy. It's it's weird. <laughs> um, I don't. Yeah, I don't know honestly, what that is. yeah, I appreciate just yeah jokes that are meta and kind of acknowledge the production and foley and just any appreciation of just filmmaking in general yeah and that's like what tim and eric and eric andre like they do so much of that too and and see that's why yeah i I love tim and eric a lot i like i don't think they're perfect sometimes they have shit where i'm like okay this is clearly like i see what you're trying to do but it just doesn't make me laugh because i don't like what's the one recent show it's not um the one is beef house have you ever watched that i have not no yeah that's like a more recent adult swim show by them and like I get it, and it's just like, yeah, you're making fun of kind of like Brady Bunch, not even Brady Bunch, like Full House kind of like sitcoms, and like, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's not that funny because I'm like, okay, I don't think Full House or those things are that funny or that relevant, so a parody of it just doesn't resonate well. I'm pretty sure there's people that watch it and they adore it because it, it hits on all of those things so perfectly and makes fun of those things so perfectly. But for me, it's just not my cup of tea. For me, for me, I prefer the more extreme like i remember when tim and eric started doing like the music videos for the for like the they did, like horror type of music videos where it just got like extreme yeah. i was like this is the kind of stuff i want to see where, like, i, I gave the, a like, presentation in my directing class on eric warheim <laughs> yeah i remember you showing that video and i was like yeah this is fucking gnarly like i think Were it was we in the health same video class? uh maybe or maybe yeah, yeah i did you, i but... showed the health video yeah yeah, like, that shit is super vivid, and I, I like that a lot. And, and I remember yeah. it was kind of confusing, because our buddy Max, he asked a question about, like, oh, well, I mean, like, maybe this is motivated by the artist they're working with. Like, maybe they have a big hand in this. And when he asked me that question, I thought he was, refer- like, when he said artist, he was referring to the editor. <laughs> I didn't realize he gotcha. was referring to the musical artist. Because I think the editor is a huge part of how those jokes and like, I don't know, like, so, so I think this is turning out to be a pretty good episode. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Because, yeah, when we're dissecting how comedy works, um, and I've never really heard of like anyone talk about like comedic formalism. So, like, formalism being um, having to deal with the. Uh, the characteristics of whatever specific artistic medium you're working with. And I feel like editing and uh, making jokes in re- with, with film editing or making jokes with sound effects, that is basically, it's comedic formalism. I don't know if that's a term that exists, but maybe maybe we coined it here on Vague no, Zone. <laughs> no, I, I'm definitely down. We've got to have a <laughs> Vague Zone library of, <laughs> of terms, yeah. coining terms. Because I think about this a lot because... I tend to, I like putting on cartoons in the background and letting just like those play. And so I do it in the morning with like silly kids cartoons like Teen Titans Go or like The Amazing World of Gumball. And I do it at night with stuff like, you know. The Jetsons whatever movie, apparently. <laughs> Man, I can't, I can't go back. I can't rewatch anything Jetsons related because it's just going to remind me of the plight of the worker. <laughs> but it, anyways, <laughs> I was thinking about Family Guy while watching this movie because I was like, okay, like. We're talking about, yeah, like, jokes and setups and, and play out. And like, I watch more Family Guy than I should. And I feel like I've kind of recognized that I appreciate 
early family guy because it doesn't get too crazy or too meta with just the lengths they're willing to set up and execute and follow through a joke. And sometimes I just like something to be quick and one off. And I think timing and like, yeah, like patience and like the willingness to like sit through stuff is really a big key. And so I like smaller stuff. And so you're talking about wet, hot American summers. I appreciate the smaller time frames of jokes. And I think, yeah, if we're talking about yeah, like the, set up in relationship to the audience is, is super key. I think the better we know that like, yeah, if our audience is going to be super short attentive, they have a very small attentive span and we're going to be able to just get away with doing something a lot more lowbrow and simple. But if we're talking about, yeah, like something more long form, like a movie or even like the state where I don't know, there's a little bit more investment. So I think they can get away with more flexibility. I think I might be rambling, but yeah, I was thinking about, the way these people kind of set up these jokes, it's definitely always reliant on the audience. And yeah. I think the audience is like a big part of it. And I think as we've gotten older, our intention spans have shifted and gotten smaller and gotten more fickle. And so people like us, I think we appreciate something a little weirder and a little more off key yeah. and a little bit more The younger generation. Out. I mean, with memes, the rise of memes, which is like, that's a short and community, like as short a yeah, piece of yeah. communicative comedy that you can get. Um, like, I, I I always think about how we have these older comedians talking about, like, oh, you can't say anything anymore. Like, I refuse to go to college campuses because everyone's offended by everything. And then meanwhile, yeah, yeah. like, you go on fucking TikTok or something like that, and there's a video of a guy, like, cooking 500 hot dogs, and <laughs> everyone... Everyone loves it. <laughs> uh, and so it's just like, no, comedy hasn't gotten more sensitive. Like, our taste has gotten more absurd. You Like, you might as well be making jokes about uh, rotary phones and shit like that. Like, it's, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, situational comedy doesn't, uh, doesn't work anymore. Like, you can't, well, not situational comedy. Um, maybe it is situational comedy. But like, well, I don't know. I think, like, that crassness of just like, okay, I'm just going to point out something very obvious or, like... I hate to say it like, oh, I'm just going to be anti-PC or something like that and just be yeah, that's, that's crude and tired. obvious. Yeah, like being cr crude and obvious. And, you know, I think a lot of easy comedy can be mined from that. Just be like, okay, like, well, I'm going to say what we don't want it, like, well, what you're thinking, but, you know, you're, you don't want to say it, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's like, meanwhile, people like Eric Andre or uh, Connor O'Malley are just acting like lunatics on the street and <laughs> everyone loves it. <laughs> like, like Eric Andre, I think he's like shaving himself his like full body right now for the next season of the Eric Andre show. I don't know yeah, what that I'm means, stoked. but yeah, I'm excited for it. Yeah. I love the progression of just the sets of that show. Cause like, yeah, it starts off as really lo-fi and like, grimy as hell and then yeah as the seasons go on like it gets a little bit more production value and then, yeah like i say i watch a lot of cartoon network so yeah i've been seeing the ads for that almost every day and i'm like okay i'm ready for this new eric andre and i tried to watch some connor o'malley but it didn't quite yeah, hit I the same I don't, I don't i don't know why but yeah i i think connor o'malley only works for me in relationship to joe para because joe para like kind of draws me in with the, i don't think i know who more... joe para is See, I like I didn't know who Conor O'Malley was, but he is a character on Joe Parra's show. Uh, okay, I, I forget even what the title of it is, but it's like Joe Parra speaks with you or hangs out with you. But yeah, okay, it, it's, I gotta check this out then. Yeah, it's fantastic. I'm gonna look it up right now. Uh, yeah, Conor O'Malley. Uh, yeah. he, Joe Parra talks with you. Is what it's he has a whole series of like, and like some of this stuff's not that good. Um, but he has a whole series where it's like a talk show that's hosted on a bike. And so yeah, he, like, rides yeah. a bike around, and he's just, like, giving his monologue to, like, his phone or something like that. But he did one episode that was at, like, a Portland riot, and he's got his <laughs> oh, mask Jesus. on, and he's, like, he's just delivering jokes to his phone. He, sent, he had a great one where it was something like, um, uh, breaking news, this just in, uh, Tucker Carlson has announced that he is getting back into dog fucking. Uh, he's a dog fucker. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, there you go. That's that's all you need. Like people talk about how you can't say shit anymore because everyone's offended. No, you can make a joke about Tucker Carlson fucking dogs. Like everyone's yeah, on board. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's just all about kind of like that framing. It's like yeah. you need to. Have... Meanwhile, like <laughs> tear gas is being popped off in the background and shit. And yeah, it's like that added layer of like, oh, he's doing a little bit of like mild guerrilla journalism here. Yeah. <laughs> he's like actually like out on the ground where think, all these actual news maybe, newscasters won't go. I think we're just maybe we're just approaching a more extreme generation. <laughs> uh, yeah, speaking of um, Eric Andre, he um, sorry, well not them, but the. Uh, production team absolutely they signed on um all gas no breaks and so oh really those videos yeah 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 yeah, so yeah that like that dude's great and yeah yeah, like he's gonna have an adult swim show and so yeah that's like looking forward to that as like a good way to just see some shit from the ground you know like i just want to see somebody like on (laughs) on american soil talking to americans and letting them talk because that is the greatest comedy of all (laughs) as we've seen many many times before (laughs) it's like a microphone in an american space and then you have content for a week and a half it's like a sasha baron cohen show (laughs) and he was just like you know i can just i can just edit myself out (laughs) and like let the (laughs) interviews do the work yeah and that's why I'm like, yeah, his the second movie is coming out. I'm like, we're almost like past that point yeah. in society. We're like, like yeah, Borat was fantastic and hit like a at crater this point, when in like 2008 or seven when it dropped. But yeah, now it's like at this point, it <laughs> this feels like reality. it feels like whenever uh, Johnny Knoxville and like the Jackass crew make one of those fictional movies, like about an amusement park or about a terrible grandfather. <laughs> uh, it's yeah. like we're we're we've moved beyond this. We're no longer interested in where fiction meets reality because we have a reality game show host president. Like reality yeah. is enough. Like that's all we need to laugh at. Well, as a, a vague zone first, in defense of Bad Grandpa, I like that <laughs> movie a lot because I've never seen I'm it. Also, I've never seen it. So I'm I'm a really big Jackass fan just because like I was it just hit perfectly. No, I I'm a huge Jackass fan too. Yeah. And so, yeah, like I like bad grandpa a lot because it is the best makeup you have on Johnny Knoxville to do the most convincing fucked up old man that you have. And so like some, like there's some really silly stuff. I think it's in the second movie they have like, yeah, the, this one gag where it's like him at a juice stand and the kids like talking all the shit. But in the second movie, they like go a little bit further by making the kid much more gentle and him much more extreme. So it's like him pushing this really gentle kid into like these really strange situations. Yeah, it's just like it's fucked up and it's dark, but I love that movie a lot. And so yeah, that, yeah, I like that pu- like kind of pranking Eric Andre yeah. Jackass kind of thing. I mean, it's, Jackass, it'll always make me laugh. Jackass for me, as like a kid who grew up in the suburbs, it was like it was incredibly liberating to know that like you could just go out with a camera and act insane uh, to escape your own boredom. Um, And I was definitely, like I just talked about, like we're no longer interested in the collision between what is fiction and what is nonfiction. Uh, I'm very much interested in that. I feel like that's like (laughs) what Harmony Korine has like built a whole career out of that. Like, it's like, oh, I'll cast these actors, these big actors into my movies where I put them in weird situations and I I ask them to improvise. And we're dealing with the collision between, like, Spring Breakers, oh, we're dealing with the collision of, like, these Disney stars and this debauchery that I'm putting them through. And they're not very good improvisers, unfortunately, so it doesn't quite work out all the time. Yeah. But that movie's about, you know, stuff beyond that also. Um, but that is kind of what he's playing with. Um, yeah, that movie is a freaking trip. Yeah, it's getting good heaven and hell imagery. Yeah, I like Gucci Mane a lot, and uh, it was... I think a good performance from James Franco as well. Yeah. It's not like a per- a perfect he, movie. He's by the one who means, knows but... how to improvise. Like he's doing a good job selling those scenes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's like I've... if it wasn't Harmony Korine kind of directing. I don't know who shot that movie, but I think also the cinematography helps uh, nail down it's... the dreamlike state of that movie. It's the guy who so works like... with Gaspar Noe a lot. Uh, okay. Yeah. See. Yeah. That movie is one of those things where it's like the acting isn't that fantastic and the premise isn't that thought provoking, but just the performances and the visuals and the the direction give this weird blend of like it's it's a must see, but it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, it doesn't have. I don't think it's incredible, but I think it's for sure worth a watch and worth a good conversation because it's yeah. I have a, I have a lot of thoughts about that movie. We can talk about it some other time, but because uh, we're so, already yeah. I was. 
We're already kind of yeah, deep, deep into, into this. It. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what have you watched this week? Uh, what have I watched? So I watched uh, the finale of Lovecraft Country. Yeah. What did you think? Um, I feel like it's more in line with the worst episodes of the season where it's just like a lot of stuff happening. But um, yeah, I was just like, I was surprised. Well, I wasn't surprised. I was like, dang, like he's going to push our recording back no i don't want to say that like i was like dang like you might be kind of disappointed for pushing back a whole day of not recording to, to watch that episode well because i knew we would like i knew so on past episodes we've touched touched base about lovecraft country and it's like the finale is aired we should talk about it this week um and we usually so for the listeners we usually record on a monday we're recording on a tuesday now because i didn't watch it sunday night um so i watched it yesterday so now we can have a discussion but um yeah i I just felt like it was it's just too much shit is happening on this show like it feels like they wrote this huge script and they just started stripping out parts of it because they're like eh, we don't need this we don't need this and so what you're left with is a series of events and the best episodes are the ones that focus on one character character uh one character Or the relationship between two characters and everything else is just like, it's just too fucking much. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I was watching it and as it was probably like 15 minutes into it, I was like, oh, dang, this is going to be a bad episode. Because I, like, I had like <laughs> this really like bad gut feeling. I was like, there's a lot of spell casting and a lot of just like, yeah, just a lot of plot kind of progression. And so there was a lot of things happening and things being spoken that I didn't understood. And so, yeah, there's just a lot of imagery that was supposed to be really heavy and really meaningful, but it just didn't have enough time to very resonate, you know? So there's, yeah, a lot of characters that are just being, no, that wasn't really being off. Yeah. There's characters that, spoiler alert, sorry. There's characters that get killed and I was like, okay, this is kind of like, yeah, I don't know if it, I'm like kind of speechless. I'm like, yeah, like the more I think about it, I'm like, yeah, like it just happens so fast. And so it's hard to really yeah. think about. And so... There's a great fight scene where we're cross cutting between a fight that's happening in some sort of tower and a fight that's happening in like on a covered bridge or something like that. But yeah, there's so much cutting happening that I was like, this is impossible. I think I even said out loud, this is impossible. Like, I can't tell yeah. what the fuck is happening. I desperately want to know what is happening because I think... Yeah, that scene was super jumpy. Yeah, I think this is a very interesting fight scene, but it's like you can remove half the edits. Uh, it, it was, like, indecipherable. Like, yeah, it yeah, was really it frustrating. Of, yeah, yeah, it had one of those really bad, yeah jumbled fight scenes and yeah and it had my biggest gripe where there's this big music drop that kind of happens midway through it when they're getting ready to do this yeah i was i was thinking about you thing i was thinking about you when that happened yeah (laughs) i was like no like you just have something from the era or like just a speech because that's one thing this show did really strongly in the first couple of episodes was incorporate speeches or like yeah, excerpts like from, poems and stuff. Yeah, like poems like, that's or excerpts beautiful. from I love that like, shit. like spoken word. That was fantastic. And it feels and like it's elevating was... the content. Yeah, and like, yo, like I love Rihanna, but I'm like, yo, she doesn't belong in Lovecraft Country. And so when it had that needle drop in this episode, I was like, okay, it's like I'm just gonna be groaning throughout this episode. I like the like the little scene where they they do the salt circle and they bring back like their ancestor who's like this really bigoted dude, and yeah. then like they like they're like trying to like cut him, like they're trying to like yeah. sacrifice him basically, and he's like kind of like teleporting. I was like, this is kind of cool. I was like, I was like into that, but overall, it's just. Yeah, it's just so much shit happens, and yeah, some characters I feel like Tick didn't really get his due, and I, I'm, I'm sure a big he'll be fan bad. of yeah. I'm sure I'm like that's the whole thing about deaths in TV shows where it what was uh, well because I'm, like I'm gonna, his, <laughs> I was going to uh, mention a really bad TV show just now, <laughs> and you're going to force me to be like, no, that's not fair. <laughs> yeah, no, I was going to mention Heroes because like that was hey, a show. The where, first season of where, Heroes was fucking fantastic. Yeah, it was my it was one of my favorite shows when it was airing. But then it pushed me to the point where I was like, okay, like you guys aren't taking character deaths very seriously. Yeah. And in this world, I was sort of getting that same feeling of like, okay, there's spells, there's immunity, there's like this whole bloodline thing. Like, 
they're like is the fact that he's like one of the main leads of the show so i was like okay like i don't know if they're ballsy enough to to kill him and like you know in the end of the first season like i think that would be really badass of the show to do but i don't think the show is that interesting or that daring to do that i think it's a fantastic black tv show but it bothers me so much with the things yeah. how, like how they how they execute them and so yeah and uh not ruby is yeah ruby is a i'm a big fan of ruby and that whole the way yeah the whole editing and the the way her character ends up it just kind of bugged me a lot um, so i was just like dang so my brother-in-law he when i was like a teenager he wrote a uh email to this um radio station this radio station that like said they were an alternative radio station, but they never played alternative music. They all they always played kind of bullshit, but they prided themselves on being alternative. And I remember <laughs> him writing. He wrote this email where he he said something along the lines of, um, "He's like, I love your station. I absolutely love your station like my own child. However, it is a very stupid child." And sometimes <laughs> I want to shake you and say, why are you so stupid? Oh, no. <laughs> um, I think that is how I feel about this show sometimes, where I'm like, there's so much potential here. Like, you're getting... You, the characters The characters are here. The actors are here. The budget is absolutely here. It's like, yeah. you just need to take your time. You need to, like, get it together and, like, make it work. Because I know you can make it work. Uh, yeah, there's yeah, there's some parts of the show where it's like, yeah, it's, it's very frustrating, and like I'm like, I love you so much, and so it hurts me to see the turns go bad, and like, yeah, like when they kill the um, indigenous character in, I forget what episode like is, but the whole like four maybe, yeah, yeah, the, like the whole Indiana Jones episode is like so bizarre because like it is, it's yeah. one of those things where it's just like it's such a jarring moment where i'm like okay like did an executive come in here and just force you guys to like make like some cliffhanger stuff happen or like what is going on Cause yeah because it, just, it, it feels, feels like we like, don't really feel the weight of that after that episode not not at all yeah it's just that that moment really hurt me a lot because i was really stoked about writing about the show and i was just like i'm gonna just like kind of slow down on that because it's just disappointing me so much and so yeah oh yeah there was something else I, in this show that i was talking about it with emily afterwards and we were talking about the first episode and how when the shoggoths would bite people they would turn into shoggoths and and i was like yeah that that never came up again and she just looked at me and she gave me this like expression like yeah <laughs> like that's a huge fucking problem like, yeah yeah it, this movie just introduces concepts and then just f for you know a few minutes of drama and then it just like drops them uh or show sorry oh yeah shows <laughs> but yeah I, I i feel you i feel you and so, like yeah, when did I, he tame a shagath huh i i don't know i think yeah, this movie, <laughs> this movie, this this show takes a lot of yeah. There's a lot of stuff that happens off screen. And yeah, that's, yeah I, that's I really I I don't know. Like, yeah, it's I I got to a point where I stopped asking questions a little bit because I was like, <laughs> I this, just this... just give it to me. I'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I think I might read the book and kind of see what the the novel kind of had to say, yeah. and then re revisit the show. Yeah, I think a lot of these problems are probably due to it being an adaptation. Because it, like I said, it feels like there was a long script, and then they just like took chunks of out of it until what you're left with is a series of events. And maybe part of that is because J.J. Abrams is a producer, and Ooh. I feel like he does not know how to tell a story. I feel like he just has events. I would agree with that. <laughs> like after <laughs> after fucking Rise of the Skywalker, like I was like, I don't. This guy doesn't know how stories work. Uh, he doesn't understand setup and payoff, and yeah, that was bad. That was really, really bad. It was I remember <laughs> like being in the theater and being like, "This is the worst case scenario." Like, I almost wanted to leave, but I was like, "I know I'm gonna have to talk about this thing, so I gotta yeah, fucking I... sit through it." Yeah, my story goes for. Um, I saw, what is it? What was number eight called no seven called seven was was that the last jedi no wait no seven was force awakens 
Yeah, so I think I saw Force Awakens like some unruly time. I think I saw it like three or four times in theaters because oh, wow. every like everyone in my friends group was extremely stoked on that okay. movie. And then yeah, then seeing <laughs> The Last Jedi on like opening night and it was like it was a really good good night with the homies, but like definitely some like debates and yeah. mixed feelings on that movie. And then seeing <laughs> The Rise of Skywalker by myself, and I was like, yeah, like none of my homies even saw that movie because oh, no. like the star the Star Wars fandom just slowly just like just fell yeah. apart as those movies came I out. Mean, which like you shouldn't was... <laughs> don't announce a release date before you have a script. I think that is a very important lesson. Like I think those movies definitely beg the question of franchises and trilogies being necessary things and like this like oh yeah like i'm gonna sign you guys on for three movies and that's like what's going on with avatar right now like like how in God's however does james, james, james cameron have four more avatar but he's movies been working out? on these for fucking ever and so there's no way they're gonna be good there's no way i mean the first good. one like, wasn't I, good but like yeah, at least no he's had the good. time to figure out what he wants to do like with Star Wars, they announced Fair enough. they announced a release date before they even had a script, and it's because they probably had all these other plans about like theme parks and the merchandising and stuff, and yeah, they had to please yeah. their shareholders. Um, they had to please their their board, you know. Um, their plan was so audacious. They're like, "Yo, we're gonna give you a Star Wars movie every Christmas, and it's gonna be the greatest thing you've ever seen in your life, and you're gonna you're gonna love it so much." And then, yeah, like. We got the first one, and they were like, eh, like, there's something like, it was, like, mixed. And then we got yeah, Rogue One, which people were super down I with. I loved Rogue and One. Then, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Rogue One is fantastic. I rewatched the Darth Vader scene the other day, and it made me feel super great. <laughs> but, but, yeah, like, Solo was one I wanted to work really well. And then that was one bad. was a catac. Was that so one was bad. so bad, it, it broke other ones. And yeah. so, yeah. I like, just it, pretend that just, like, that one doesn't exist. Like, it's, it's like, it just, pretty It makes me laugh It's inconsequential. Like you can totally pretend that one doesn't was never made because it doesn't really affect anything. <laughs> it hurts as a really big Donald Glover fan. That one hurts. Yeah, you, like... <laughs> yeah. It should have just been a Lando movie. Well, it sh what it should have been was I was expecting it to be a Han Solo Chewbacca buddy film, and created by Lord and Miller. Yeah. And like when the movie was announced, I was like, "This is a bad idea." But hey, at least Phil Lord and Chris Miller are attached to it. Like that'll be interesting. Yeah. Then they got yeah, fired. They, and then, <laughs> then they got fired, and then someone got hired, and I think they Ron got Howard fired too, got, right? Ron Howard got hired, and okay, so I, I yeah I misunderstood. I thought someone else was brought on in between that, and then um, there was like a weird. Maybe you're movie. thinking of Colin Trevorrow was fired from Rise of Skywalker for fire from so many so many firings. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like even Rogue, not a good sign. Even Rogue One's. Uh, I forget Tony Gilroy was brought in to do the reshoots and Gareth Edwards didn't really have a say in how the reshoots shoots shoots operated I'm pretty sure um and so it's like that movie turned out great so like bringing in another director to come clean things up like isn't necessarily a bad thing it's just yeah and didn't work I out. totally understand like the idea of calling in Ron Howard because I feel like he would be the best person to theoretically fix a Star Wars movie but I think it was just. I mean, maybe. Salvage. I think, yeah, point. just like within the time frame he had to work, like he just did the best he could, and, and it wasn't very good. Yeah, yeah, which is which is rough. <laughs> Thinking about anything like Star Wars related post, uh, was it Revenge of the Sith? Is just like kind of insane. Yeah. I, I don't know how you feel about the Mandalorian, but oh, I, I like, like I like the Mandalorian. Um, it's not great, but it's like whatever. I'm totally down to keep watching it. It's a fun little excursion every week for sure yeah i thought it was all right like i'm not approaching it with the same you know seriousness that i'm pro approaching something like lovecraft country which is taking uh which is focusing on like way meatier subjects and way heavier you know ideas um definitely Mandalorian, it's just it's yeah. a genre piece it's space space western maybe they'll do something interesting i don't know if it's bad it's like whatever it's it's a serial. It's mostly for kids, so. Yeah. Yeah, true. Inconsequential. Yeah. Uh, what have you been watching? Anything else? Um, I mentioned Frailty at the beginning. Like, I watched that, and, yeah, Fargo. was kind of oh, caught sticking, up on yeah. that. Which... I'm, I'm, a, yeah. I'm several seasons behind, so I haven't touched it yet. 
Yeah, I think this one kind of is standalone, but mm-hmm. I I th- believe there is definitely connections to the other ones. I don't know if it elevates the watch of this anymore, but yeah, I think it's good. It's a good like wintry kind of themed show as yeah. we approach the fall. Or is it? I guess it's already fall. Yeah, I mean you wouldn't know with the heat. So. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that's all I've really been been watching. I'm going to get some other horror watches in. I haven't decided yet, but there's a lot available on streaming right now, so I'm going to definitely have some more the next time we talk. Yeah, and uh, if you want some recs, let me know. Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess that wraps things up then for Vague Zone. I think this was an interesting episode. We, I feel like we yeah. touched on the binge a bit, but then we kind of spiraled out to other things. Uh, yeah, we talked about the nature of comedy and joke setups. Yeah, and, and then we, for some reason, <laughs> talked about Star Wars for a long time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's always good to talk about Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe we'll hit that franchise up at some point, but there's so many of them. Uh, maybe we'll just do yeah. one trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we gotta we got to pace ourselves because we still have plenty more Final Destination movies yeah, to watch. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, next week, Final yeah. Destination 2. Yeah, and okay, so we're officially done with all Purge stuff. We've yeah. completed a franchise run, started with the Purge, going to Purge Anarchy to election year, to the first Purge, to the binge. So now we're going to do Final Destination. All right, let's do it. Um, all right. Thank you for listening. Uh, if you have feedback, please mail us at um, vaguezonepod at gmail.com. Oh, yeah, we have an email now. Yeah, we finally made an email. We're like over 10 episodes in, and we were like, maybe we should make a Gmail account for this. Um, yes, you can send some emails into the vague zone and see if we'll get a reply back. Most likely you will. <laughs> yeah. All right, until next time, folks. Peace. Yeah, see you next time. Yeah.